0: There's no perfect time, there's no perfect content, and starting is much better than, than waiting it out. And so it's not so much where you start, it's where you end up.
1: Let's go! Hey everybody, Ryan Roten here, and this is the Brand New You Podcast, where we explore how to use personal branding and social media to impact your career. No need to look any further, you found the podcast dedicated to helping you create a brand new you. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the brand new You Show. I'm Ryan, your host, and today we welcome to the show Trevor Young from TrevorYoung.me. Trevor specializes in PR, social media, and content marketing. His blog, PR Warrior, has been named one of the top 20 best business blogs in Australia. He's a keynote speaker, author, trainer, and consultant who has worked with major blue chip brands, startups, fast growth companies, and individual experts. He is also the author of the book, Micro Domination, How to Leverage Social Media and Content Marketing to Build a Mini-Business Empire Around Your Personal Brand. In the book, Trevor examines the rise of a new breed of entrepreneur, one who is leveraging the power of the internet and social media to build their personal brand and grow their business on a global scale. Trevor is also the host of The Reputation Revolution, the do-it-yourself thought, leadership, and personal branding podcast. Each week, Trevor explores how you can strategically build influence, visibility, and trust in today's reputation economy. Trevor, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the Brand New You Show.
0: Thank you, Ryan. A pleasure, as always, to uh, chat with you and to be on the show today.
1: I have been uh, following your work for quite some time. I, I read your book like right after it came out, and it, it's, just, it's kind of inspired me to be where I'm at today. So, I want to say thank you for writing the book. It's like I just said, it's been an inspiration to me. And I know after today, hopefully, it will become an inspiration for a lot of the listeners as well.
0: Thank you for reading it. Much appreciate that
1: and the feedback. No problem. And now, like you, I also have a standard question that I like to ask guests to get podcasts started off. But in honor of your podcast... I'm going to change it up a little bit today, and I'm going to start us out by asking, what were you doing 10 years ago?
0: Oh, nice work. <laughs> <laughs> nice work. Gosh, now I do have to think. Um, 10 years ago, I was still, I'd been, uh, what was that, 2005, and I was running my own PR company in, in conjunction with a uh, a business partner, and we've been doing that since 1998, And so we had a few miles under the, under the belt at that stage. And, um, we had an office in Sydney and one in Melbourne and employing staff and just into the grind of winning clients, doing the work, finding more clients, doing the work. And, um, the very next year we started negotiations to,
1: to sell the business. And so that, that might be where the uh the micro domination started to begin in your formulate in your mind, huh, at that point in time?
0: Yeah, it, it was really probably eight years ago was probably more a turning point for me. Um that's when I started PRWarrior.com, the blog. And that is also when I got onto Twitter and I'd been on LinkedIn for a couple of years before that. But that was when I really started to immerse completely as much as I could into blogging and social media at those very early stages. So that eight years ago actually is, is, is probably more of a, a tipping point for me because I was reading about it 10 years ago, but I wasn't doing anything. And then in 2007 is when I, I was doing a lot more and just getting involved.
1: Okay. All right, great. Now I am gonna I am gonna ask. Go ahead and ask my standard question too, and then we're gonna jump into a discussion about your book. But if you could vacation in only one place, where would you go?
0: Oh, I'd have to say Ireland. I have an affinity with the country. I've I have, I've spent some time there, but not a not a long time. But uh, I just love the the literature, the music. Um, I don't mind the weather. Most people tell you that they don't like dark and dingy and <laughs> and overcast. Uh, I actually don't mind it. I find it Quite creative and, uh, I just think that there's a part of Ireland in me that, uh, came out with my great, great grandfather. And, um, and just when I go back, I just feel pretty relaxed and at ease. So we're not sure which town or which area of Ireland, but, uh, Certainly, uh, there's a lot to choose from. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful country.
1: You you are the second person to say Ireland, and both of you have very complimentary things to say about uh, the country as well. So I will need to get this added to my list of places to visit in the future. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just uh, depending on what time of the year, but uh, get a big coat. <laughs> All
1: right, let's get into a discussion about your book. It's called Micro Domination: How to Leverage Social Media and Content Marketing to Build and a mini business empire around your personal brand. And the bulk of the book is kind of centered around this concept that you describe as a micro maven. And so I want to start the discussion off there and have you answer a question that you have probably been asked and answered at least 100 times, I would imagine, since the release of your book. But can you tell us, for those who are not familiar, what is a micro maven?
0: They're experts for starters, so borrowing from the the, the book, The Tipping Point, where The word Maven was probably first popularized and micro being they, they operate small niche on their own sort of thing and, uh, but still on a global scale. And, and as we know today, niche can be quite big when it's global, but micro also being micro, uh, using micro media to build their profiles very quickly. So what, uh, and we'll probably delve into it that I found that there were seven characteristics. I was, I was just basically following a lot of different people like, Darren Rouse, pro-blogger, and Gary Vaynerchuk and Chris Guillebeau, and these are names people uh, might, your listeners might or might not know, and there's, I list a whole stack of others in the book. And I was following them. I was just following them and interesting to see what they were doing because they were really ahead of the pack. But what they were doing is that they were, they were building, they were creating a lot of content, building big audiences and and not just audiences but quite strong communities. They had great rapport with people. And, of course, in social media, you can see that rapport. You can see people in the comments of their blogs and and how they chatted with them on social media. But they, they, I, they were literally new-look entrepreneurs, um, you know, different from the technology startup entrepreneurs, different from, you know, traditional mom-and-pop small businesses. They were basically creating these large audiences, large communities, and then starting to, I hate the word, but I can't think of another one, monetize it. They were then starting to... Um, get a bit smarter with how they were, uh, building a business. And these businesses are often virtual and global and real time. And they were just leading the way. They're all, they're all doing different things, um, as, as we, you know, as the years progress. But in, in those days, they, they were all just coming together and really just, I guess, being useful and helpful with their content, attracting an audience and then selling back to that audience. And that's that's probably what you'd call content marketing today. We just weren't using the term as much when they first
1: started. Can someone learn to become a micro maven, or do you think it's something that's kind of entrepreneurial inside of the person who you know you would describe as a micro maven?
0: Well, I'm not so sure that any of a lot of them set out to be entrepreneurial. I think it might just have been in them. But you, yes, you can learn. You can learn. What you can't learn is that whole wanting to give, give of yourself, be authentic, share your knowledge, your ideas. Show up with your content and on social media, they're things that you're either going to want to do or not. And there are people that just don't want to, they don't want to be relentless with their content. They don't want to show up every day. They don't want to do that, you know, share what they know. So, in that case, if you don't want to do that, you won't become a Micro Maven in the way that I describe it. But if you do, and your heart's in the right place, and you want to get out there and, and, and share and build that audience first, bef- before any expectation of getting anything in return, by the way. And then you start getting a little bit smarter about the entrepreneurial side of things. But a lot of the ones that I look at in the book, they weren't entrepreneurs. They were just, you know, you look at Darren Rouse, who, you know, now runs a, a global multi-million dollar business. But when he first started, he didn't even know what a blog was. He just started blogging because it was the, it felt right for him. And then as he got a bit smarter, and, and they continually, I watch a few of them today, and they're still starting to do things differently, smarter. So you can learn. These guys are all re- always learning. But in the, in the first instances, no, they weren't really overly entrepreneurial. Gary Vaynerchuk, you'd say, was because he'd built a, a multi-million dollar business uh, with his dad beforehand, but um, a lot of the others weren't. No, they just came out of, when I say came out of nowhere, we, we look at a lot of people in, who have got high profiles And chances are in the past, they've, they've got it through media. So newspapers or, you know, TV slot or a radio program. Uh, but the Micro Mavens haven't done that. They've built it up through their own content and they've built their own media channels. So they've done it the other way.
1: Yeah, Chris Brogan is another one that you mentioned in your book, and I think he—he he, if I had asked him ten years ago what he was doing, I think he would tell me he was sitting in a cubicle in like a cellular services business or something, if I remember correctly.
0: And he's right. That's right. He's like you know, like Darren Rouse. I mean, they were they started blogging. He, he calls it journaling when he when he was right in the early early days. And so what he was doing then is nothing like what he was doing now. So that question about ten years ago was actually. You know, for these guys is uh, the, the changes in their life have been
1: crazy. Now you touched on something in your answer and you started to describe at least a couple I heard of the seven characteristics of a micro-maven. So I want to I wanna dive into each one of those a little bit here. And just before we get started, the seven characteristics are there's a power of authenticity, there's a power of blogging, number three is the power of social participation, number four is the power of relentless giving. Five is the power of building community, then the power of generating revenue for multiple sources, and finally, the power of pressing the flesh, which I'm very interested to talk to you about. But I want to start with the first one, which is the power of authenticity. And we hear a lot today about, you know, you need to be authentic and uh, you have to be uh, transparent. And so, I'm wondering, in your mind, how much of a key is transparency to being authentic today?
0: Well, I think it's always been really important, Ryan. And, and I think with what, when I looked and I was studying these micro mavens from a distance. So the good thing with all this is that it's all online. So you can sit there and watch and, and listen to their podcast interviews and, and look at their blog posts and see what they put up on social media. And, and a lot of them were, you know, they, Chris Brogan's an example. He'll talk about comics and he'll talk about Batman and cars and all sorts of things. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about these uh, New York Jets and 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 what I noticed that a lot of them was when you followed them on social media, you, you got a really good sense. I think that's the key. You got a good feel for them, a good sense of who they were as people. Now, I can look at a whole stack of, you know, people who are experts and thought leaders online and they've got big profiles, but you don't get a real good sense of who they are and I think that's the difference. It's kind of like it's, it is a hard thing to explain but if you can you know if you're following someone and you you get to have an understanding that they like this or this is a bit of their you know a bit of their philosophies and their quirks and their their idiosyncrasies through the content and through the social media that they do you, you you feel like you trust them a lot more and i think you know there's so many cardboard cutouts out there and i i don't like really following too many people who are very slick and it just feels a little bit too crafted so I like a little bit of the rough edge on it. And um uh, some, some of the micromavens that I talk about, you know, they let it all out. They they open the kimono to a large degree. But that's that's a that's a philosophical thing. That's something that people will and will not do. And as we know, and I've seen time and time again, you would have seen Ryan, that you know, when bloggers are out there, and it could be podcasters, could be, you know, any anyone who's creating media, but if you really get personal and you really tell personal stories, and you really open up on your life and particularly the, the tough times of your life or, you know, when, when there's lessons, not just for, Hey, hey, oh, woe whoa, whoa is me. It's when you open up and this, I went through this and this is, I came out the other side and this is what I learned. Those people who are willing to go that extra mile outside of their comfort zone, they tend to get bigger followings because people relate to it. So it, it, it's a personal thing. Mari Smith, you may have heard of. Uh, she's got a great book called The New Relationship Marketing. And she talks about personal, private and public, I think she says. But there's there's a difference. You know, there's personal life is public and public life is obviously public, but private is private. And so there's three elements because a lot of people say, well, you know, my personal life is, you know, off off limits. Well, not today, not on social media. It's not. But there, there you should retain a degree of this is my private life and this is what I keep. Out of out of the spotlight,
1: right? I mean, I agree. I think being able to tell your backstory is key to you know, especially in a niche or a niche where you're an, an expert at, because people can relate to you better if they know your backstory and where you came from and how you got to where you are. And you know, most of the people who reach out to me have said something. To this, to the extent that they found me because, or they relate to me because their their story is similar to mine,
0: and that's—I think that's a hundred percent. I mean, we we're not going to change social media. All the technology is not changing who we are. We gravitate towards people who who we resonate with, and um, you can't resonate with everyone. So, it's it's really important that your story is out there, and that it's consistent as well. But there's nothing wrong with. You know, I I know some people on social media very professional, and they'll only talk, and they've built some pretty big followings as well. And they they might give a little bit of themselves, and but most of the content they do, and most they talk about on Twitter, for example, is going to be all business. That's fine, but you can still talk a bit of backstory in business and be authentic just about that. Others will take it a little bit further and talk about music or or football, sport, uh, TV, films, or whatever it is of interests them, and and I think that's good too. If you overcook that instead of the business side of things if if your goals are building a profile for business then that might be too much so you've got to be able to regulate it a little bit but some of my good friends and contacts that i've had you know we we got together over talking about music on 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 twitter and so we bonded over we you know we both resonated with similar topics and then that leads to business
1: And you'd mentioned too, you know, like Darren Rouse and Chris Brogan both were journaling, um, we'll call it that because now it's known as blogging, but they started journaling long before it was called blogging. So, your second characteristic is the power of blogging. And in your opinion, how important is it for people to have their own blog today?
0: Well, I think, I think it's number one. And I've gone through this process myself. I, I know that from blogging, that's when the magic happened by just going out and doing it. And it wasn't strategic in the early days for me, but it helped me build an audience. So you need to be able to drive people back. If you put all your efforts into Facebook, for example, and then Facebook changes the rules as they did, then it's it's rented land, isn't it? You, you why why renovate a house on someone else's land? You want your own hub. I call it a content hub, you know. Sometimes I talk with clients and I don't talk blog because I think bloggers are people who sit in their pajamas in the live with their bum into their forties lit in their pajamas in the dark. That's
1: what we do, isn't it?
0: its it's not pajamas now. And um <laughs> And writing out poisonous things, you know. So the world doesn't really understand bloggers and blogging as as, as much as maybe they should. But and it's such an ugly word, blog. You know, like uh, what it sounds a bit weird. So you know, sometimes with with uh, business clients, I call it a content hub. But that's what it is. Even if you're going to have a, a podcast or an online video show, you still want to be able to drive people back to your your blog or your hub, your website. So I think it's the number one thing. And and why blogging is so good. It's not just giving things people to read and driving them back. But what it does is it helps you clarify your thoughts. Now, you look at any of the mavens, anyone who's been blogging for a period of time, and I could guarantee that the way they write, the way they think, has just changed enormously over the journey. Just the other day, I went back to my early, early blog posts, and they were shockers. They were absolute shockers. And, and I think anyone who's been blogging for a long time and podcasting, you know, your early work is not going to be up to scratch but if you wait to be perfect nothing'll ever happen and there's a big difference between showing up and making it public and pressing publish and and that could be a podcast or it could be you know a video of course but pushing that button of publish you want to make sure that you know and you're you're in sync with your thoughts you know you believe in what you're writing about and that's takes that's clarity and we all need clarity in our lives.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. When I look back at uh, some of my earlier blog posts from a couple of years ago, I kind of shake my head <laughs> at at a, the writing style, b how, you know, kind of wide, if you will, my thinking was at that time. I wasn't, you know, I hadn't figured out exactly what I wanted to do, uh, but I knew that I needed to keep doing something in order to get there. And, you know, I, I think it's, I think Pat Flynn said, um, you look back on your earlier work, if you're not like disappointed in it or upset or embarrassed by it, then you've done something wrong along the way.
0: Yeah. And I I mean, I'm an ex-journalist, so writing's not my problem, but it's a difference between writing for a blog and writing for a newspaper. And I had to change the way that I I wrote. I had to become more conversational. And- one thing that the publisher, uh, the books published by Wiley, one of the big business book publishers, and one of the th- the good things that the publisher said was, "You've achieved what a lot of authors don't do in the business book category. You've you've got your voice, and it's it's a it's a very conversational read, and that's come from blogging. That's 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 just what blogging does. But I think you know, blogging also signifies that you're showing up and you care and you want to share and be generous." And it says so much about you. So it is one of the, uh, out of all the micromavens, it's it's a constant. That's what they do. They blog or they create content now, mul- multiple different formats, of course,
1: today. You just recently wrote a blog post and I'm going to go slightly off the book topic for just a minute. And you talk about the difference between owned and earned media. And can you explain briefly, you know, what when you say owned and earned media, what are you referring to?
0: Okay. So owned media, and I think this for, for any business, whether or whatever, you know, if you're trying to build a, a profile in a business and do it through various communications, owned, owned should be at the bottom of the pyramid. I mean, owned media is what you can control and it's on your own land. So, you know, it's it is your blog, it is your podcast, it's your website, it's your videos. Now, it's even the content that you put on, on Twitter and social media. Now, you don't own, obviously, the, the platforms themselves, but you're in charge of the content that you put on them. And, and I guess, you know, coming from public relations background where you had to rely on third parties such as the media to get your message out. Um, it's fantastic to be able to now become the media and and own that, be the, the owner of the media. So I think that's the number one thing that, you know, in a marketing sense that businesses and individuals, those who are wanting to build their personal brand, you own that media first. But if you don't earn media on top of it, you're only going to reach a certain size of audience. So earning media is 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 earning the right to be interviewed on a podcast such as this. Earn the right for a journalist to cover your story or to ring you up and get quotes that's not free publicity that's you've earned the right for that to happen and you could say there's something a little bit in between you could call it shared media as well but earning the right for for people to share your content on social media to read what you do and or to listen and then share it with their networks so you could add another one called shared media if you like but you're still earning the right for someone to do that Uh, it doesn't just happen
1: can you earn media through the power of social participation? So, by participating in the social media outlets or accounts, you, you've mentioned Twitter a couple of times and Twitter's my favorite as well. Um, but can you earn the right for that media through um, social participation?
0: Well, you can. And, and I think the thing is, you know, and, and from having a blog and then being on, on active on social channels... In Australia, I get the media coming to me asking for quotes on this, that, or whatever. Or someone I might go, I might go to a a, a newspaper or an online publication and pitch a story idea to them. So that's that reaching out and earning, earning it. But in days gone by, it used to be, yes, you'd just be, you'd be have to proactively push out to the media. But today, the media will come to you if they're and a lot of the journalists are. And when I say journalists now, we're talking bloggers and podcasters. So it's you know it's it's the, the definition of media has changed a bit. But I think what you'll find is by they are out asking people on on social. I see it all the time. Uh, a journo might you know or a blogger might say, "Listen, I'm, I want to speak to someone who understands this space or is big in this area." Others will talk about you, you know, recommend you, and that's that's earning. You've, you've earned the right for people to do that. But it's it's all through the social channels. And and as we know, you know, bloggers aren't just bloggers; they they're connectors, and they're big on social often, and, and a lot of journalists are as well. So, social is a, definitely an important part of that, because how people find you, how the media find you today, is is different than what it was five or six years ago.
1: Yeah, and so while we're on the topic of power of social participation, and you you had mentioned this earlier as well, is what is the difference between social media and content marketing? Oh, good question.
0: Um, Content marketing is obviously when you're creating the content, you're putting it out there. I mean, social media really is, I, I've always said social media is a mindset, but let's take my definition out. I mean, it's 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 the technologies that allow you to, to A, distribute that content, uh, but also drive conversation around your content pillars, the things that you want to be talking about and be known for. And so w- with content, you are literally, you know, creating information that's useful, helpful, and relevant to a specific audience, and you want a desired outcome the moment you put marketing on the end of content you want some particular outcome now whether that's people to buy your products uh, engage your services sign up for your newsletter vote for you uh, become a member of your community whatever it is that you're doing that's that's an outcome so in content you're creating content to drive a specific outcome and as you have an audience in mind and that content needs to be useful and helpful and of relevance and interest to that audience. And so social, by participating on social channels, allows you to reach that audience in in a more human way, and it also allows you, in a two-way way, you know, doing it in two ways. You can talk to people and become part of those conversations. And then you can also use it as a bit of a broadcast mechanism as well.
1: So, through your, through your blog and through the use of social media, I think we start to get into um, the fourth characteristic, which is the power of relentless giving. You, you touched a little bit on it before. I, I believe this is, this when you say this, this is giving without any expectation of anything in return, correct?
0: That is absolutely correct. And this is where you sort the wheat from the chaff, as they to quote an old phrase. This is where the people who show up and who have got that generous heart and are willing to do it again and again and again and again and again. You know, like you're blogging and you've got no audience, but you just keep going. And and the phrase relentless, being relentless about it. Uh, Brian Solis, not sure if you know him, he's. Written a number of really good books and uh, is a very much a thought leader in the new media space. He he talks about being relentless. It is relentless. You're showing up. You're blogging. You're always thinking about ideas. You're a you're a publisher. But if you do it with an expectation of getting something in return, well, then you're going to start doing things for the wrong reasons. And I think the the notion the, the micro they just started. They just did it, and they weren't a, a, as you know strategic about it in the earlier days it was just showing up and i look at a lot of great content marketers i use the example of the goulet pen company and brian and rachel goulet they sell ink and fountain pens and and paper and wax seals online i love the irony of that and um you know brian and his team they're relentless for years and years they've been blogging four times a week Uh, he does an hour-long video show each week up to an hour which he answers people's questions around around fountain pens and writing, and he he does it every week. He shows up, and it's relentless. And he starts with the phrase, "How can I help the most people?" So I love the word relentless. It really separates people out. You're either going to show up and do it. I talk to clients, and I say, "Yeah, we're you know we reckon we'll be able to blog once a month." Saying so you're serious, you know, once a month. You don't have to do it every day. Some of some of these guys have. You know, in the book, uh, were blogging every day, and they've probably pulled back a lot, um, and and there's not necessarily doing it every day. But but you know, if you only sporadically blog, you know that sends a message. Oh, you run out of ideas, you don't want to share anymore. Um, now, of course, you might be choosing to blog on Medium or on the LinkedIn platform, or start podcasting, or doing videos, or getting out on Blab. All of that's you know, it's not just about blogging. It's about that omnipresence that you have.
1: Yeah, you know as you were talking and you kept you kept saying relentless and you're doing you know you're putting out content even while you don't have an audience it immediately made me think of Gary Vaynerchuk and the thousand episodes of Wine Library TV that he put out uh, and then just recently he released a video called there's no such thing as an overnight success yes and yes. It, have you have you seen that yes yes yeah it's fantastic i mean he has been a relentless giver and you know, what I liked about his video is the people who I know who, as we go through each of these sevens, I'm actually, in my mind, I can pin people who are doing this. Every one of them that I know that's a success now, you know, they weren't, we know what their origin story is because they were authentic. They told us how their struggle was. They told us that when they started blogging, how much of a challenge it was for them to be consistent and to come up with ideas and content, but they continued to do it over and over. And because of that, they've now gotten to this place where we're at the fifth characteristic of a MicroMaven, which is they have this power and they can now build communities.
0: And true communities too. And again, I've been part of these people's communities. I've interacted with them. I've watched as they interact with others. I always say about Darren Rouse and Pro blogger. you know, that people are so surprised to, you know, that there's someone, he lives in my hometown, Melbourne, and, you know, he's got two blogs and he's got 5 million unique visitors a month. And that puts him bigger than a lot of newspapers, online newspapers. And is he the best? Well, he, he's now not the main writer, of course, because he, he couldn't possibly create that much content. But even in the early days, he was building quite a decent, you know, two decent sized blogs. And... You know, was he the best writer? No. Was he the best photographer? Even though his digital photography school is his, um, is his big, really big blog, much bigger than Problogger. No, he's not necessarily, he's t- but he's bringing people along for the journey. That's how, why he started that blog, because he was learning about digital photography and he was staying one or two steps ahead of people. But he asks his community, his audience, what, what do they want? What, what's of interest to them? And he really puts his audience first and, and therefore, they're going to resonate with that and engage with him. So now he runs, you know, an annual uh, blogging conference with you know up to seven or eight hundred bloggers to turn up to, and he does mini workshops around the place, and he does a lot of speaking, and he has meetups, and you know, like he, what Darren's been good at doing that most other businesses or media businesses aren't, is that he's he understands community and he understands the the, the back and forth nature of it and the need to give. And and that's what he's been really good at doing. Gary Vaynerchuk's the same thing. I mean, I, I think when I look at Micromavens, he's, he's, he's kind of like the real uh, pinnacle of it. Like, because you just said his story, he did a thousand Wine Library TV videos where he spoke, he tried to demystify wine and he did it in his own way. He knows, you know, I, I recall hearing him speak about, he knew that people were turning off. He could see that people would drop off because he's brash. And they didn't like his style. Now he could have dumbed it down and become more vanilla. So they didn't do that, but then that wouldn't be authentically him. And so from that, you know, he built a profile where the media started to come to him. And of course, once the media started covering him, then the book publishers came in and he got a, a massive book deal. And then that led on that he could, he's now since created a number of other businesses, but he, he's got a very strong community. He's got one point something million on Twitter. People sign up for his you know his newsletter they you know they go to his events when he turns up somewhere you know he'll go to south by southwest and then people will just line up to speak to him
1: you know when you get that community the the i think it's not just building it too but once you have the community behind you that's when you can actually move into that sixth characteristic which is the power of generating revenue from multiple sources because if you don't have that community behind you you're you know you're not going to get there, and I think a lot of people start blogging, saying, "Oh, well, I'm going to do this for six months, and I'll be able to quit my job and make money," and they they don't get it. They're skipping all the other steps, and so when we talk about the power of generating revenue from multiple sources, what are you mentioned a couple? You mentioned um, a book, um, but what are some other sources of revenue that after people have put in the time and the effort, and they've been relentless in making. This work and building this community. What are some of the other sources of revenue that are out there for consideration?
0: Yeah, well, again, it comes back down to also knowing your audience. So Joe Paluzzi is very much—he's you know, just written a book called Content Inc., which sort of touches on this whole space. Brian Clark from Copyblogger, now called Rainmaker uh, Digital—they they're very similar. So if you look at um, Brian Clark, he's now turned that into a multi-million dollar business—the whole Copy Blogger thing—and um, they they're basically a software house. They sell you know, their, their audience. They get people who were um, interested in blogging and, and creating content and building an audience and all of this is what we're, we're talking about and then realise what were their needs. What did they need? Well, they needed a great, you know, WordPress framework and they needed um, themes for WordPress and they needed to be taught how to write copy and to to do all of those sorts of things. So, you know, he he's done courses and now but he's, his software is his his big play you know, the Rainmaker platform. so he under got by understanding the community and their wants and needs he could then create software products for them. So that's one way I guess if you look at Gary Vaynerchuk he's built his profile to such a point where he's an angel investor for a lot of, of the big companies, a lot of the big tech startups uh, but he's built with his brother a business called uh, Vaynermedia which in the space of what five years is up to about 500 people. Um, over two offices in San Francisco and New York. So I think the obvious ones, and, and, and to be fair, the, the people in the book, these, these were more the, the people who are a bit more, I don't want to say life coach type people, they're not, but they were, they're were a bit more in the personal development space, I suppose, to a large degree. And so getting out and speaking and writing books and, and whether it's consulting or doing information products, they're probably the obvious ones. But then you can then partner with brands, for example, uh, because it's your personal brand. You said before about monetizing your blog. And everyone talks about monetizing your blog, monetizing your blog. Now, unless your blog is you know reaching massive numbers and is more like a magazine and you're going to put advertising on your blog, what you're doing is you're building a personal brand and people are going to buy that brand in different ways, whether it's They want to collaborate with you. They want you to consult to them. They'll come and hear you speak. They'll attend your events. They'll read your books. They'll do your courses. And the blog is one part of the personal branding machine. So you're not necessarily monetizing your blog. You're building your brand that then attracts people to you and revenue opportunities from that point.
1: You mentioned a book and um, there's a quote. I can't remember who said it. But he basically said, you know, writing a book won't make you rich, but it will make you busy. <laughs> so what What are, you know, and I'm sure you have some experiences to say that, but what are some hidden benefits that people don't think about when they actually publish a book? That's a good question. The hidden benefits.
0: I don't know if they're actually hidden, but you never know who's going to read it and what that's going to lead to. So for example, let's take this. You've read the book. We're now speaking here. There might be someone who's listening who might want... You know, it might resonate and might want me to do something wherever, you know. It gets you on the radar, I guess, of things. It, it is that credibility thing. You know, people recognise that it, you know, it takes 20 years to write a book, as they say, to earn the right to write that book and to get enough experience and, and expertise to be able to write that book. And I think that it's just the power of connection because it opens doors a lot or it, it starts conversations which lead to different connections. And this is what I'm fascinated about social media. It's, it's not so much about being able to build your audience so you can broadcast your messaging to them. You know, Twitter, for example, is you'll get to meet people who in all likelihood you would never get to meet in real life. And, and that's fascinating. And that can bring out a lot of synchronicity, a lot of magic, a lot of connection. And it's the soft stuff that people say, oh, woo, 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 but it happens. You get to meet people. And what the book does is it's a great conversation starter in person and on social media. And It gives people things to talk about. There are elements of that book that they'll talk about. They'll connect with you. You'll make good connections, and those connections could lead on to other connections. And so it's this web of connection that the book starts, and it takes it up one or two notches. So these, you know, when I said before about meeting people who in all likelihood you wouldn't get to meet in real life, the book can really help you do that. And I think that's when some fascinating
1: opportunities come out. Yeah, so when you're when you're out of the speaking opportunity, I think that that might talk into, and I want to give you let you um, define this for us. But the last characteristic of the micro which is pressing the flesh, I think when you're out speaking, you're out com- in your community talking to people, and I believe when you say pressing the flesh, that's that's what you're referring to, is getting out from behind the computer. And actually, getting out in front of other people is that an accurate statement?
0: Yeah, that's 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 it. That's it. It's not just an. And and I was really keen to get this point out. It's not just an online thing. The power of online is actually offline, and the connections you make and the relationships you build. And and this is where the conferences. Just you know, going to those conferences and whether you're speaking or not. And I think I mentioned in the book, if I recall, Chris Brogan. I I was at um, a blogging expo in L.A. and um, He was there as a speaker, but he also, I I recall him tweeting, you know, I'm going to be at such and such a place and at this time and, you know, let's just hang out. And it's that willingness to just hang out with people. Um, Darren Rouse was at the same conference and he did the same thing. He was always setting time aside to meet people and chat with people who, who were readers of his blog. And so, again, that's Rather than swan in and do the big talk and then swan out again, I, I mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk at South by Southwest made an effort to, you know, he's getting blocked bigger, so it's probably a little bit harder for someone like him to do because if he puts it out and says, come and meet me, you'll probably get hundreds or thousands of people. But it's it's more the intent, I think, to make that effort. Chris Gillibo is just a wonderful example. I don't know if you're aware of Chris and uh, author of the book, The $100 Startup, and, you know, he, run, he runs the World Domination Summit. So that's bringing people into the fold, getting, getting face-to-face with them. But when he released his books, particularly in the early days, he, he literally went to every state in, in America and to promote. And when he was out in Australia at a, at a conference speaking, he still had a meet-up. And so he has meetups wherever he goes, whether there's 100 people or 200 people turn up or whether there's five. It doesn't really matter. You might go to a small town and you'll still have a meetup with five people because he says those five people might become lifelong readers of my work. But he makes that effort, that meetup, is the meetup king. And so when we talk about being relentless again, that's that's an attitude. You can't buy that. That's a that's a work ethic.
1: Yep, back to the relentless giving. It
0: is. These all of these things, Ryan, they all intersect. And so it's a package. And I guess that's why when I was looking at them and it was just becoming apparent that a lot of these people I was following, they were actually there were commonalities amongst them, and, and I just had to dig dig a bit deeper to find out what those commonalities were, and obviously I've had to generalise over a, a number of people, but I do mention 27 of them in the book, and, and they've, you know, all gone on and done bigger and better things, but it's still come back to how did they start and what got them moving, and, and there is no silver bullet. There is no magic in that. It's, it's, it's graft and hard work, but it's also a willingness to get out there and get involved and press the flesh.
1: Now, I You know, Trevor, I, I could probably talk to you about your book for hours and hours more. So, it's back to that. It's a talking point, right? <laughs> but oh,
0: but uh, and,
1: and I recommend anybody who's listening, you, if you have not read this book, you need to go out and pick it up. It's a, it's a fantastic book. It's definitely one that made me think and has influenced a lot of what I'm doing now, um, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show. But I also want to talk not just about your book today, but I'd like to talk about... The Reputation Revolution podcast, which has also become uh, a standard listening for me each and every week. And you're the host of that. And so I'm wondering, as you were going through, you know, kind of your progression through the seven steps uh, for the Micro Maven, when did the idea of the podcast come to you?
0: Uh, I'd been... I had a a podcast earlier called The Connected Brand, which I'm hoping to revitalise, but it was never set up as a podcast. It was more I was just doing random interviews with interesting people and I was doing them on video and Skype video. And then I just took the audio off that and created a podcast. So that wasn't really um, done strategically or, or by any means. So when I came to the idea of reputation revolution, which is, the audience there is emerging thought leaders because I know there's a lot of personal branding stuff out there and everyone's got their own different views and philosophies. And, but the people I was tending to deal with my clients, um, now I, I consult to mostly businesses, startups and, and larger companies and, and profits but I was getting people coming to me for coaching or I don't like to use the word coaching, it's more mentoring. And they tended to have that, they, they tended to be the same types of people, you know, they're, you often in their late 30s, early 40s, they'd been in the corporate game. They were experts in, in their field. They were business professionals. And they wanted to take things up a notch either in that profession or in they wanted to take a detour into another profession. And they were they were savvy. They understood social and content to a, a degree. They, you know, they understood marketing and PR generally, but they were just overwhelmed. And they just needed someone to inspire them, I suppose, with stories and and this is what you can do. And maybe kick them up the behind a little bit. But they also, they wanted a little bit more clarity. There's a lot of overwhelm out there. So the idea of Reputation Revolution was all of these questions that I kept being asked. And and it also allowed me to talk a little bit further than such a social and content and PR, which I'm known for, and to talk about speaking and to talk to people about things like personal branding at a deeper level and you know, products and writing and publishing, all of those sorts of things, because they were the commonalities as well. And so they're all things that I'm interested in. I guess it it is an extension from micro domination, but where that was more about people who started blogging and become a, a micro content creator and built businesses off the back of that. Personal branding for business professionals is a bit more going back to square one. They've got the expertise, they've got a name in the marketplace, but they want to take things up a notch and do things on their own terms. And whether it's about starting a business or making an impact or making their mark in, in, a, in a non-profit area or around an issue, I wanted to focus a bit more on that. So it, it is a kind of, a when I look back, it is a bit of an evolution into just a different audience, but similar themes, similar themes.
1: Trevor, it has been Absolutely, my pleasure to speak with you today. I, like I said, I've I've been uh, following your work for a while and admirer of the stuff that you're doing. You inspire me, and I know you have to inspire a lot of other people. So, for the folks who are listening today, who would like to learn more about you and the content that you're putting out, and the the way you're being a relentless giver, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you?
0: Well, the jumping off point is TrevorYoung.me. And um, I'm just moving the blog from that website to prwarrior.com. So, after eight years, prwarrior.com will have its own website. And, um, and it's also sort of turning into a business. But if you go to trevoryoung.me, and I'm all over Twitter at Trevor
1: Young. Okay. Last question. Do you have any final thoughts, tips, or tactics, words of wisdom that you'd like to leave with the listeners today?
0: I think it's a case of not waiting to be perfect and I know a lot of people fall into this trap. they don't want to start blogging until they're perfect. They don't want to get onto Twitter until that you know until it's perfect. There's no perfect time there's no perfect content and starting is much better than than waiting it out because this is a long term it's, it's, an, it's an ongoing activity and so it's not so much where you start it's where you end up
1: very very well said couldn't, couldn't agree with that statement any more than I do thank you again Trevor very much for your time and for all the th- relentless giving that you're doing
0: thank you very much Ryan
1: so what about you? where are you going to end up? are you going to choose to get started? Or are you going to wait for the perfect time that will never come? The last time I checked, none of our calendars have been updated to add an extra day called Someday. While our discussion today revolves around what Trevor refers to as seven characteristics, you could just as easily look at them as steps on the path to building our brand, growing our influence, and becoming known as an authority in our fields. Trevor has really laid out a path for us, but of course none of this happens if we're waiting for perfection or the elusive someday to finally appear on our calendar. Trevor's final thoughts made me think of my interview with Joseph Michael where he said that time that you think it's going to take that you don't have is going to pass anyway and create a situation for yourself where you say you're glad you did instead of you wish you would have. So if you want to become a recognized business professional in your niche, the key is to get started. Stop waiting for someday because someday will never come. There is no such thing as an overnight success. There is only hard work and effort. And if you do it enough and often enough and you show up every day, even while no one is watching, you may someday earn the right to be called an authority in your niche. Trevor, thank you for sharing the micro domination story with us today and for your own relentless giving. You can find the show notes for today's show as well as all of the links to everything that we discussed at ryanroton.com forward slash Trevor Young. Thank you to all of you who tuned in today. I know you have many other choices of podcasts to listen to, and I appreciate you taking the time each and every week to listen. And I also want to encourage you to get started. And the best way that I know to do that is to reach out to you and make myself available to you, the BNY community. So here's what I'm going to do. For the first 10 BNY community members who send me an email at rlroton at gmail.com with the subject line community, I'm going to add you to a private Slack group where you'll have unlimited access to me and nine other BNY listeners. For four weeks, this exclusive group is going to work together as a mastermind to help each other get started sooner rather than waiting for someday to arrive. This will be an experiment. And it's going to be imperfect. But as Trevor pointed out, it's not so much where we start, it's where we'll end up that matters. So for those of you who are interested, send in your emails and we'll get started by taking some imperfect steps together. Until next week, I've been Ryan and I'm out. This week's show was edited and produced by Ryan Rowe. And the intro and outro music is Pulse by SoundRowe.